Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of Survival Podcast. As always, one man, two of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network Headquarters. Today is August the 16th, 2011. It is a Tuesday, and this is episode 725 of the Survival Podcast. We have an awesome show today. We've had, like, mayhem in the financial markets, just absolute freaking mayhem. And I decided it was time to reach back out to one of our prior guests who, who I always say is the most switched on financial guy I know. And an honest financial guy. And he's honest because he doesn't have anything to sell you. And that's Mike Gazer. He's been on the show about three or four times in the past. We have him back on today. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about the economic impact of the London riots. We're going to talk about the debt ceiling. We're going to talk about uh, the current spending crisis. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. And Mike's going to make it cut and dry uh, and honest for you. Before I bring Mike on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, silverandgoldshop.com. Uh, I love Silver and Gold Shop because they're like, I consider them like the common man source for cool silver and gold items. You know, they're not looking to try to sell you, you know, a million dollars worth of gold or something like that. This is a place that anybody can go and pick up a few ounces of silver here and there and do so in a very creative way with some very cool silver rounds. Also a great source for silver eagles and, you know, a few gold products as well. I believe silver and gold belong in your portfolio. I believe you're looking at maybe 5 to 10% of your net wealth. Right now, I'm going to be honest with you, even though I'm advertising silver and gold shop, I'm going to tell you, do not buy gold right now. I think gold is overpriced right now. I think silver is in a buy area right now, so maybe consider adding some silver. I wouldn't go out and buy five grand worth of silver tomorrow, but picking up a few rounds uh, right now would be a great thing to do. Remember, we're also getting ready to go into that holiday season, right, where you're seeing you know, nieces and nephews and grandkids and, and godchildren and all that type of thing that you don't see throughout the rest of the year. Uh, we got going back to school gifts, all kinds of stuff like that going on. Consider making a gift of a one-ounce silver medallion or silver eagle to kids. Teach them about lasting real value. The big case I can make to you for silver is this. In 1935, if you had a silver quarter, you could buy a gallon of gasoline. Right now, in 2011, if you have a silver quarter and you take it down and sell it for its silver value, you can buy about two gallons of gasoline. But you can't buy a gallon of gasoline. You can't buy a few ounces of gasoline for a quarter if you have a quarter made after 1965. That's why I believe in the power of silver. Next up today, HarvestEating.com with Chef Keith Snow. I love Chef Keith because I talk to you guys all the time about all this really cool stuff you can grow in your garden. I talk about things you know, like Swiss chard and nanking bush cherries and all kinds of other stuff. And then you go, okay, well, great. I have all this new stuff, bok choy and kohlrabi and all this other cool thing, stuff I can grow in the you know late in the fall season, early spring, some places even through the winter. But it's stuff that I don't usually buy and I don't know what to do with it. Chef Keith will tell you what to do. 
to do with it, how to make it into wonderful food that your family will love by teaching you to cook seasonally and cook locally and focusing on technique over recipe. So check out HarvestEating.com. For those of you who have heard Chef Keith on the show as a guest before, you know one thing. After you spend an hour listening to Chef Keith, you're hungry and you want to eat because the way he describes food alone makes it appetizing. So check out HarvestEating.com. And if nothing else, pick up a copy of his cookbook. It is a cookbook that you can make into your coffee table book. It's that kind of an amazing book. Check it out. Um, last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. You also get discounts to about 29 different vendors now. And remember, law enforcement, um, Peace Corps, or military, if you have served or are serving in any of those capacities, you qualify for a national service discount. Email me before you join, and I will send you a special discount code. For everybody else, it's 50 bucks a year. That might sound like a lot, but it comes out to, what, 20 cents an episode. And I will make this commitment to you. If you purchase things for your garden, if you purchase things for prepping and long-term storage, anything from a knife to a long-term storage case of food to, to seeds every year for your garden, if you purchase anything like that in any quantity at all, and you use the discounts that are available to you as a member, your membership absolutely will pay for itself. I've worked very hard to make sure that's the case. So do consider joining the Member Support Brigade today because if you use the discounts, it actually doesn't cost you anything. It's actually a profit-generating membership for you. All right, with that, uh, we've got the housekeeping wrapped up. All right, folks, as I said during the introduction segment, we're uh, fortunate to have back one of uh, one of my favorite guests I've ever had, man, Mike Gazer. He's uh, he's not just a good friend of the community and a good guest. I consider him a good personal friend as well. He's what I consider to be the most switched-on guy out there in the financial industry. Uh, and what I really like about bringing him on as a guest is anybody else that I would bring on in this would be like, we'd be wrapping the show up and you'd be like, Ordering Mike's 20 ways to, uh, to, to become a millionaire on the stock market overnight or something like that. Mike has nothing to sell you. He's just here to enlighten, educate, and inform. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming back to the Survival Podcast. Oh, Jack, you know I always love it, man. This is a, and, and, and there's never, I don't know when it was we spoke last, but I never could have imagined so much could happen in such a short time. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's really actually shocking even me, some of the stuff that's going on. Some of it I'm like, it's par for the course. It's what I called back in 2008. Uh, and some of it I'm like, well, I didn't really expect this yet. And we have a ton to talk about today. I guess the big thing we should we should kick it off with is the recent debt ceiling debacle. And uh, just your overall assessment on the, the games that were played up to it and, and what the eventual uh, – Passing of the deal actually means, if anything. Uh, well, passing of the deal means at least they, they we we got by that that doomsday scenario, which I, that's that's how it was sold to the public. I was never that. I, it would not have been a great thing for us to default, you know, in, in the form of, of, a, of a hissy fit. Uh, but as far as being catastrophic, I think every American knew one thing. If we missed any payments, that's all it was going to be is missing some payments. And we would have, you know, after a matter of a few days, everyone would have got their interest, everyone would have got their Social Security, everyone would have got their principal, and so on. Um, but uh, what I guess to sum up the debt deal, I'm glad at least they're making a little bit of a stink. The truth of the matter is, though, um, the amount of that they are going to cut, which to a lot of Americans sounds like a lot, I think the number is somewhere in the area of $2.5 trillion, which sounds like a lot. But that's the total savings 
savings. Well, I, I'm sorry I even said that out loud. They're not saving anything. They're not going to grow by as much as they wanted to grow. So they've, they've actually shrunken the growth by $2.5 trillion, but even that's over a 10-year period, and almost none of those cuts are going to happen this year and hardly any next year, and the reason is we know because they're all up for election. So after this big grandstanding political nightmare on both sides of the aisle, they kick the can down the road. They're all looking to 2012. And even if this all comes to pass, it's not even going to be noticeable by most of the American public for a couple of years. So obviously it's, it's very back-end loaded. Will, will, it be, will it even be noticeable then? Because my understanding is what, kind of what you're saying here is that they didn't actually cut anything. To me, cut means we spent, let's say, in an individual department $100 million this year. Next year we're going to spend $90 million. That would be a $10 million cut. Right, but they said it, we we were spending a hundred million dollars in this particular item or department. Next year we were going to spend a hundred and thirty. Now we're going to spend a hundred and twenty, and saying we've cut ten million dollars. That's, that's correct. That's, okay. exact, that's exactly it, Jack. That's exactly how the government does their math. So they've they've cut their growth by by two and a half trillion. And of course, we have to wait for the super duper committee to come back with whatever its suggestion is. Uh, I give them credit for for the, the the deal they made, which is horrifying to both sides. Uh, uh, if they don't, if the super duper committee doesn't come to an agreement, uh, gigantic cuts to Medicare and the uh, and defense, which clearly one's very upsetting to one crew and the other's very upsetting to the other. So it was a good incentive, but I I would bet you dollars to donuts they don't do jack. They come out of committee six six. They don't have many suggestions. And everyone's going to have their shorts in a knot again come November. So happy Thanksgiving to all of us. You know, you bring up some good stuff. And I just played this thing for the audience yesterday. Uh, it was, you know, jaw-dropping uh, from Greenspan. I want to play it right now on the air. I want you to listen to it. And then I want you to come back and, and tell me what your thoughts are. Are U.S. Treasury bonds still safe to invest in? Very much so. I think there's a, this is not an issue of credit rating. The United States can pay any debt it has because we can always print money to do that. So there is zero probability of default. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't know what you were going to play, Jack, but I'm not surprised you played me that because I know, I know your little uh, thing for the Federal Reserve. But he ain't lying, and Bernanke would have said the same thing if Bernanke did interviews on Sunday morning television. But, yeah, th that's, that's what I was saying about the, the government not defaulting. The government will not because they can make the money to pay the bills. Uh, you know, and, and clearly this is what helped get gold above $1,800 for the first time. And and he's dead serious. And Bernanke would do give you the same answer and do the same thing. So that's that's what we have leading us. Uh, the truth is, I mean, you, for whatever you think of the Federal Reserve, um, they have desperately tried. And this sounds asinine to most Americans. Uh, they've desperately tried to get inflation going with all this borrowing, with all this printing of money. Uh, because they so feared where we are going, which is probably into a deflationary cycle, and you and I have talked about it on the show before. 
Deflation is what we had in the Great Depression, and it's what Japan has had for damn near 20 years. Deflation is an economist nightmare because it's a death spiral that you can almost do nothing about. That's what the Federal Reserve's announcement was last Tuesday when they, when the market, oddly enough, the stock market rallied 400 and something points. In essence, now they put it much more politely and politically correct, but the Federal Reserve's announcement was simply, uh, as far as the economy is concerned, uh, we're screwed. Uh, we can't even do nothing about it no more. Uh, so we'll commit to keeping rates effectively at zero for a couple of years. But as far as anything else, you guys are on your own now, finally. So stock market, bond market, gold, oil, figure out what you're going to do about it. But don't count on us helping anymore because we don't seem to be able to. So do you believe there will not be a QE3? I don't think there's going to be because all the gains in certain assets that were gained during QE1 and 2 are pretty much wiped out in the last two weeks. So, no, I don't think so. You know, I mean, when, when Bernanke said there – let me ask you this. When Bernanke said there wouldn't be one, another thing that came out when he said that was it was just like, really? He said he didn't understand why the first two didn't work. Uh, thoughts? Well, that's troubling when you're $2 trillion in and, you, and it didn't work. That's why the trillion dollars in stimulus that did jack. And it's a lot of money to spend. They're like, oh, well, geez, we screwed that one up too. Um, they might do a QE two and a half, which they sort of have already been doing, which uh, a lot of what they hold, almost a trillion and a half of it is mortgage-backed securities, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac mortgage-backed securities, which are people's mortgages in, in these things. And what they have been doing is not committing new money, but as they get principal and interest on those securities, they've been using them to continue to buy more. So I don't know if that's sort of, like I said, QE two and a half, but it's yeah. sort of nickel and dime stuff compared to what they've been doing. So they're, they're, they've, they've acquired the debt. Right. They're collecting interest on the debt and, and reinvesting the interest. Correct. And principal, remember, these are people's mortgage payments. Yeah. So, I got you. So it's like a QE light. Gotcha. Now, one of the things I've been really paying very close attention to, and I think this is, you know, personally for me, this is my hot-button watch that I think sends us off the precipice into the second side, the real double dip, because we haven't seen it yet, is municipal defaults. And there's a few starting, like Pontiac, Michigan, uh, Central Falls, Rhode Island. These are little hamlets that are, are starting to go over. But, like, I just read a, a report, actually wrote an article about this, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania has been on the edge of bankruptcy and basically telling their creditors, look, if you work with us, we won't go into bankruptcy. But if you don't work with us, we're going to go into bankruptcy. Then the state came in uh, under Rendell and said, hey, look, if you guys keep doing this, we're, or if you actually go bankrupt, we're going to go ahead and take away your state aid. Now, you can do it in 2012, late 2012, shockingly enough, but you aren't going to be doing it right now which may actually send them over the edge because at least with the threat, the creditor had an incentive to work with them. Now the state's removed the threat and actually made the situation worse. Right. But that's a big city, uh, not a huge city, but a, a big city compared to Central Falls, Rhode Island. Jefferson County, Alabama, the biggest uh, county in Alabama, is considering weighing the odds for bankruptcy over not being able to pay their sewer bonds. So it's starting to happen, and I see a wave of it coming later on. I mean, do, do you agree with me that this is – a concern? Am I going too far when I say it is the catalyst that will send us into, you know, the, the second side of this thing? 
Catalyst, I'm not sure. Is it going to happen? It's, yes, you're right. It's happening already. Actually, Los Angeles found some funding. Los Angeles was going to be officially out of money come June, and they found some interim uh, kicking the can down the road funding. But, uh, it, see, there's too many things going here. And, and what's interesting, because uh, I was reading a lot today because uh, Europe keeps – the European situation seems to keep leaking oil. And the European Monetary Union, for, as, as an economy altogether, is a little bit bigger than our economy. And they're, they're having a lot of problems. And, and then you get to, like, our national debt ceiling budget problem, that you roll it down to a municipal level. Municipalities at least have to be more businesslike uh, in as much as they can't print money, like our friend Greenspan mentioned. Um, but, I mean, catalyst, God, I mean, I think the biggest catalyst right now is Americans are just, like, just depressed. I mean, the stock market, 9.2% unemployment, 400,000 Americans every week file a new claim for unemployment. I mean, no one is going to be on the drunken spending spree we are all on five, six, seven years ago. Not all of us, especially, i, I got to remember who I'm talking to here. Uh, you know, but uh, the, the, the consumers have pulled in their guns. That's why corporations are sitting. Corporations are sitting on two trillion in cash, um, and 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 politicians wring their hands about like why aren't they spending? But of course they're not spending. Why? They're, they're, see, if the government would have acted like they did when these businesses saw the economy get bad. You go right to self-preservation mode. What do you do? You cut budgets. You get rid of people. You cut your expenses. You get conservative. What's the government do? No, no, let's go more in debt. Let's go trillions further in debt for these shovel-ready projects. It's nonsense. And I don't think these corporations, it'd be great if they spent that money since consumers aren't. But for what? To, to buy equipment and build factories to make stuff that people ain't buying. That's not how you're supposed to run a business. Business. Well, and the government could learn a lot by watching how they reacted. Well, in the, the solution then is okay, we'll, we'll tax them, which just doesn't do any good because you just get the government to spend it, and we've seen that doesn't work, even though Bernanke's confused as to why. Um, but, I mean, when I look at that, I hear the political games, and I'm with you. Like you said, you're a non-Democrat, non-Republican at one time, and I, I feel the same way with a little bit of an added libertarian spin to it, but... When I see this, what I see is the Republicans are saying, well, the businesses aren't spending because the climate isn't clear from a tax perspective, and and if we would just give them a plan, then they would know what they're going to, you know. And, and my view is that this, this political wrangling back and forth, and one side wants to tax and the other side wants to remove the tax, this is not why a business is not spending. I've run businesses, you've run businesses. We don't sit around and go, I'm not going to invest in this because they might tax it. No, no, exactly. Right? Because that's, that's bull crap. We, we're, we, you know, we make the profit and we'll divest the expense any way we can and pay as little as possible. That's how business thinks. The reason the businesses aren't investing right now is really because of what you said. What the, We invest as a business person on a, on a product line when we know we can sell it for a profit, not because we have the cash. Right. And it's just, but that's a, that's a completely foreign concept. Uh, you know, that shareholders and owners of businesses demand to see a return on this investment. That's why politicians can just blindly throw a trillion dollars uh, to stimulate the economy, hoping it's going to work. I mean, you know, 
all the corporations in the United States combined only have twice as much money as that. Not that that's a small amount of money, but that was a big gamble to take. And, you know, with all this nonsense that we prevented because we spent it, we would have had two million more jobs lost. How the hell do you know? You have no idea. You know, I mean, God almighty, Joe Biden and, and Barack Obama, and don't even get me going into Congress. I mean, what business do they run? I mean, what do they know? For God's sake, they've hardly had any... I don't, you know, I don't know Biden's background that well, but I mean, Obama, I'm not sure if he ever had a real, just actual job. You know, I'll tell you, I, I, no, he's not, I don't think he's ever had a job, a job would be a start, uh, and some of these people never have. I almost think that at the federal, if you're going to hold federal office, Congress, Senate, or presidency, we should add a thing to the Constitution that says you have had to have at least, at some point in your life, signed the front side of a freaking paycheck. Because most of these clowns never have. No, and it's, you know what's funny? The American people seem to be, because there's not really a gigantic groundswell of, like, soak the rich, because Warren Buffett's back out today saying that, you know, billionaires need to get taxed more, and that's fine. Tax more if you want, but I just, it's just, why, who cares? I'm not one of them, so I don't really care. But, uh, but, but Americans seem to know the basic facts. Actually, my grandfather... As a very young boy, you know, I grew up in a very hard, scrabble, working-class, agricultural kind of family. But he made the point at a young age, Mike, a poor man's never given me a job, you know? And that's all I ever had to remember, because poor, you know, a poor man never has given me a job either. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I'll tell you another way to look at this. I don't care if you are a dyed-in-the-wool socialist that believes in socialist utopia through government spending and you believe it can happen even if you're that person and you and I certainly are not or, or the, the other extreme like me or uh, close to my extreme which is you all of us should be able to look at it this way if I if you were my financial advisor my investment advisor and I said Mike here's a hundred thousand dollars and you came back next year and I said Mike how much money do I have with you now and you said zero dollars give me more I would say no you're fired Right, because you haven't made uh, good use of my investment. If I hired you to run a company, if I had Jack Co. and I brought Mike Gazer in as our CEO, and sales this year were a hundred million dollars, and ten, ten, you know, ten months down the road, I have a sit-down meeting with you with the shareholders, and I say, "What are your projections?" and you say, "We're going to do a million dollars in sales this year." You, you've taken my company downhill. I, I would fire you. I certainly wouldn't give you more money in either situation. So our government has done terrible with no matter what your political beliefs is. My case is the government's done a terrible job with the money we've given them. So until they can prove that they can do something useful with it, they don't get any more. Well, since we're talking like business people, you know, it's a very interesting concept. And this is some of this is the economist in me talking to. Number one, we all tend to be sort of like economic hypochondriacs anyway. Every little tenth of a percent change in everything is like the end of the world. Uh, you know, like, for example, the economy shrinking 1% is just horrible. We need quantitative easing. We need stimulus packages. But if the economy grows 1%, that's fantastic. And um, that's a difference of 2%. I mean, like you said, you've run businesses. I run a business. If my business was up or down 2%, I'm not even sure if I would notice it. No. No, I don't even care about 2%. You'd really have to, like, really lay it all out on the kitchen table and look at it, try to find that 2%. But yet it's the end of the world, and, and I, I, that 2% was not accidental. Americans 
listen to all this, this, this nonsense in Washington about the debt ceiling and balancing the budget, and they're thinking they may have it balanced in 8 or 12 years. Imagine this. This is absolutely true, by the way. If you would take the federal budget and take all the departments and defense and people's Medicare payments and everything and cut it 2%, just everything across the board 2%, the budget would be balanced right now. I think, I think if somebody had the nerve to present that to the United States, listen, here's the mess we're in, you know it's a nightmare, and everyone's going to have to sacrifice, and everybody's getting cut back 2%, okay? And, and, and the budget balance right then. Americans would say, geez, you know, I don't like my Social Security check cut, but, I mean, 2%, I don't know how much they'd notice. Well, I'll tell you what, there's nobody out there that can't afford a 2% cut in anything. No. If I gave you a 2% raise, you would have it spent, before the week was out, and you wouldn't notice the race. So you, you could, but what would happen is all the media heads would do, you know, videos of some old lady eating Alpo or something. Right, and, she's got, because her the Social Security's cut two percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, it took us quite a length of time to get into what Americans have been sold as just the the just trouble of a lifetime, the most you know worst financial crisis since the Great Depression, whatever. I think most Americans would be shocked to find out that if everyone gave up two percent. This is strictly the federal budget, by the way, that the federal budget would be in balance. We would stop incurring debt tomorrow with that. Every, every department, you know, that's what, that's, what, that's what happens in business. My business is slower than it used to be because my clients who I deal with have come back to me and they've been told, you know, like for my seminars that I do, uh, a lot of them have been told, uh, the department has your budget for next year, Whatever you ask for, do yourself the favor of not even asking for more. You know, you're not going to get more. That's, you know, there's times in business when you can ask for more. And there's times where you'll be lucky to get what you had last year. Correct. Where we're at right now. That's how businesses run, and that's why businesses have, have $2 trillion in cash. Oh, you, you know what's funny? I tweeted about it a couple of weeks ago. I was still at my house in Florida, and uh, I thought it was funny as hell. Almost on the same exact day, Apple Computer Company, the corporation, and the United States government announced the amount of cash they had on hand, and guess who had more on hand? Honestly, I, bet, I bet Apple did. Apple did. Apple had more cash. This is before the debt ceiling deal got made. Apple Computer had more cash on hand than the United States government did. How sad is that? It is pretty sad. It's real sad. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's unbelievable. Now, the 2% thing you bring up is interesting. I didn't know it was that simple. Um, I, I would be willing to do it overnight. I think that most people would, and it make me go back to business. I had a uh, a downturn year in one of the businesses I ran, and I brought everybody in. It was a small company, I had about fifteen guys, and I said, "Okay, I got two options for you to get through this period of time. I'll give you option A, and you tell me if you want it. If not, I'll give you option B." So they said, "Okay, we'll give it to you." I said, "Okay, option A is everybody here takes a ten percent cut in their salary." Until we get through this cash flow shortage, and when we, we, we as soon as we can, we'll reinstate your ten percent. Does anybody want that option? Everybody said no. Every single head should no. I said, well, option B is I pick two of you to fire right now. Right. How does option A sound? Oh, we like option A, and I <laughs> I think that if people are you know okay, here's the deal: we can do a two percent across the board cut, quit the growth, and figure out how to trim the excesses out and balance this thing, or we can continue on the the road to find true financial catastrophe because everybody thinks this is a catastrophe. I don't think people know what a catastrophe looks like no. anymore. No, no, we've been fairly insulated from it, and this this 
has been bad. And if Americans think it's been bad, it can get and may very well actually get a lot worse. I hate being sounding like that, but I, uh, you and I have had these talks on on the air and off. And uh, you know, I you one of the first things you ever asked me when we started to talk was what I thought, and I said, you know, I, right about then was was this the beginning of the end? There was a question like that, and I think my answer was, I don't think it's the end of the beginning, and I don't think it's the end of the beginning yet. So um, the two percent, that's just the government part fixing that, uh, and then then we all have to get our own houses in order. I think Americans are doing that. I mean, look, this this is why. This is why you have a radio show. This is why people listen to your network. Uh, this is why people are more and more interested in preparedness. Americans know the deal. The politicians are just, you know, selling us a bill of goods, and I can't believe as many Americans are buying it as they are because we all we all know the truth. We just I just can't believe there's not a one out there that's just laying it out for us, you know. Well, Ron Paul, Ron, I was, yeah, was, was, I know you differ with him on the gold standard issue, and I do to a degree yeah. as well, but. Overall, if you gave that guy the reins of the economy tomorrow, he'd be willing to cut it two percent. Like, oh, yeah, I, well, I, well, you know, I, I have, I, I, no, do I agree with everything that comes out of his mouth is genius? No, but I, I would have taken him over damn near almost anybody else you could offer me. Well, I could have voted for him. That's that's the big thing. I haven't had anybody else I could vote for for the last twenty years. It was always voting against the other guy. Well, that's what is a lot of that, you know, which is sad too. I think Americans will take. Americans will can will take the news if, if somebody's willing. Like Chris Christie, I could picture him. I, he absolutely doesn't seem like he's going to run. I would like to see him run. He's uh, saying, I mean, "Hey, look, you're getting two percent. If you don't like it, screw off." I mean, right? What the hell is your answer? That's what he would want to know. You know, and not, and, and the thing about my two percent cutting thing. See, that's really cutting. That's your kind of cutting. Yeah, that's not their because this this plan they have. They're supposed to cut one percent a year, but they're only cutting one percent of growth. You're saying block the spending here and cut two percent back. Correct. Whatever you had budgeted for last year, this year you're getting two percent less than that. So and do what you want to do. You want to do what Jack would have done. You can. Everyone can cut their pay two percent, or I'm laying off two percent of all of you. You know, whatever. It, yeah, it's your choice. We can we can do it one way or the other, but we're gonna do it. And I, I think that people could swallow it. And I don't think there's one old lady that will be pushed from ramen noodles to Alpo because of a 2% cut. No. Tell you it no. happen, but it's not going to happen. No, and, you know, the news is going to be at, you know, Yellowstone, the, the show the Boy Scout troop getting ripped out of their tents because of the 2% cut. And it's just, it's just how. You just wonder how, how they get away with this shit at this point. Did people believe this stuff? Um, and at two percent, I'm, I'm a little stuck on that. I, I, I you like that, I, don't you? Well, it's hard for me to believe it's that easy. But if it was anybody else, I'd be questioning the number. Well, you, yeah. I, I believe the number. Well, do you want another scary number? Because yeah, I like just breaking down all the complexity. Because there, there, there is, you know, there's a lot of nuance. But that two percent thing is for real. And secondarily, a lot of Americans would be mortified at the at the prospect. The U.S. government is on autopilot to grow at eight percent a year. That's what that's what government spending has been growing for quite a long time and is scheduled to grow at that rate for as far as the eye can see. I dare you, Jack, to tell me the last time the economy grew eight percent. It hasn't. Of course, it hasn't. China did like two years in a row, but well, that, that, they got a fleet people. <laughs> well, they, well, and they're doing something right because they seem to have money to lend to us. You know. 
that's, that's a whole other show. Oh, here's the thing I wanted to ask you about now we brought China up. I don't know if you heard about this or not. The Chinese are in Idaho right now negotiating with a county government. They want to buy a 50-square-mile piece of Idaho and create a self-sustaining community there and call it an economic free zone to enable and enhance trade with America by having a presence in America, 50 square miles. Have you heard heard about this? I have not. Where'd you find out? Oh, it's, it's going around kind of the blogosphere and stuff, but it's confirmed. It's right out of the right out of the county government there that they think it's a pretty good idea because it'll bring jobs and economic stuff. But I mean, I just couldn't see this happening. If you think about 1980, they would have anybody that wanted to do this, they would have been on trial for for treason. Right. And, and it really is like creating a little island of communist China in in North America. Well, I mean, what's the premise? Is this sort of the same along the same sort of lines as the uh, uh, like the Indian reservations? deal with with the casinos and whatnot where it's, it's sort of it's more think about it as a reverse hong kong okay you know what i mean i mean that's that's the way there's only so much information about this yet but that's how pretty much i see it you know how hong kong used to be where the english basically controlled it and it was its own little center and it operated both in and outside of china um but there was a sovereignty to Hong Kong at that point. So this little place would have its almost like, like you said, like an Indian reservation kind of sovereignty, and the Chinese would basically run this because they would own it. Yeah, except that it's in the United States, and the United States government still has president over Idaho or any county. I mean, it's still the United States of America, and, you know, this... I, I mean, I don't. We might be at this point getting into like you know diplomatic immunity or some nonsense. That's I'm not sure on that. My concern is that if they do this, and that just if they and they're talking about building a lot more than one of these things, right? That eventually, if the economy gets bad enough, we'll have Americans lining up outside of those places to get jobs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, if you want to get somebody into a jail cell, make the hallway really nasty and they'll run into the cell. You know, that metaphor there. Well, I, I uh, was reading a very interesting article, which I was sort of uh, uh, unaware of. This uh, the guy's last name is Teal. He was one of the. Uh, he, he's uh, God Almighty, Peter Teal, I think is his name. He was the uh, the sort of angel investor that gave. He shows up in the movie Social Network. He gave five hundred grand to uh, the Facebook kid, uh, and he's been a big investor in a lot of like startup tech. Uh, but he is uh, just uh, just just as libertarian. You'd like the guy, but but he he's you know worth well over a billion dollars, and he has been really helping to finance with some other people this whole concept of building offshore, like uh, like sovereign nation in international waters, uh, building off the premise of like uh, oil rigs. They they pretty much have the technology. So like sea land, remember sea land? They built in the North Sea uh, up there by uh, England, and they, the guy said it's an independent nation. They're doing this on on mass now. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Oh, I got know? get me one of them, Jackville, man. Huh? Yeah, well, they, they've got the technology. They they they're even working on funding to uh, at least start out with uh, communities that can support 240 people living there. I mean, talking big. It's like you're just marrying up a bunch of like oil rig types. Yeah, interconnecting them or whatever. Peter Thiel, T H I E L. You'll find you'll find it probably. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's that might be the last bastion of freedom. Man. That's, yeah, that's, that's exactly what they're thinking. That's yeah. they don't have to answer to nobody. There's no taxes, or, you know, and with inter, inter, you know information flowing through across satellites and whatnot. You know, what do you need to be there for? 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, so let's say that the average person is not going to be moving to an oil rig, though. I mean, what, do you, what do you think people need to be doing for themselves right now? You know, oh I mean, I, not just with their money, like with their lives. Like, I mean, because I still talk to people that are like, well, you know, my wife lost her job, but my job's secure, my job's safe. You know, because they work for a county or they work for a company that's rode through this or whatever. And I don't feel like anybody's safe right now. I feel like it's a very dangerous word. I don't like, I, I don't, you know what's funny about Wall Street guys is, is you, you'd be very, if you're ever in Manhattan, you go into a, even a Rolls Royce or Ferrari dealer and a, ask the salesperson, how many people use financing? And they'll look at you like you're out of your mind. Because Wall Street guys have forever known that there's nothing that's certain. The CEO, nobody's safe. The CEOs could be the first ones out, you know, if, if the things start to go down. So, um, Wall Street is, it did that to me too. It's just like you don't believe in absolute anything. And as far as what to do, it's, I, I'm trying myself. Uh, uh, lightening the debt load, then you know, having no debt to anybody is a uh, hard to do in this day and age, especially you know. Uh, but as far as where to invest, man, I can't even tell you because I think I've said this to you every time I've ever appeared. Uh, I've never in my entire life of watching this stuff seen so many different ways you could still get your kneecaps broken. I mean, the stock market's still somewhere near 12,000. You could get blown up. Actually, I'm checking it as we speak. I think it's 11,400-ish. That's what uh, it was this morning when I checked it right now, that area. I don't, th I don't think anybody would be shocked if it, if it were to get to the 9,000 in the next month or two or three. Um, oil's 85 bucks, $87. I don't think anyone would be shocked if it could go to 60. I mean, gold was 1,200 not long ago. It was 1,800 a week ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely got the, the no-buy call out on gold. I, I, I put that out yesterday. I was like, if you want to buy gold, this is not the time to buy gold. I had a guy yesterday, he asked, uh, should I buy gold or platinum right now? And my answer was neither. Um, I do think there will be a gold opportunity in the future, but uh, but right now is not it. I, it no. I, I'm not, a, you know, I, and one thing I can tell everyone listening from 30 years of watching it, like, for a living the markets can be very mean, cruel, and like cash is paying nothing. Actually, a, a week ago, a little over a week ago, if you, did you hear this? Bank of New York Mellon, uh, actually, if, if for clients wanting to deposit large amounts of cash, Bank of New York Mellon is going to charge you to keep the money there. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I go to Bank to Mellon Bank, and I say I want to make a deposit of a half a million dollars in cash. And they say, okay, we're going to charge you interest to hold your money. Correct. That's absolutely yes. That went on in that, that went on in Japan for nine years. Holy shit! Well, the, the thing is, I'm as we're talking, I'm gonna, I'm trying to hustle up and I want to go find the, the the information to give you accurately. But I mean, I mean, I think you do. You know, the the ten year Treasury note is only paying about two and a quarter percent. I do. Yeah, that's that's. You know, so, and what I'm trying to pull up is some Treasury quotes. Uh, let me go down here. They, while you're looking for that, they, recently they had an issue a couple months ago where tips were trading negative. People yeah. were betting against inflation so much they were willing to take a negative interest rate on, on, a, on, a, on a tip treasury, which means the tips for folks that don't know is if I buy a tip and let's say my interest rate on it was 1%, but over the same period of time inflation was 6%, I get the inflation rate uh, as, as, my, as my return. So, and the 1% too. And the 1%. Or right. if, if it's a negative 1% of return, I get the inflation rate minus the negative one. So people are willing to pay a negative 1% saying, well, I'll get five that way 
versus two if I buy the conventional note. Absolutely. And that never happened ever before, as far as I know, on U.S. Treasury. Uh, no. Well, in the height of 2008, rates went to slightly negative for a just heartbeat. Uh, but short-term yields right now are in the order of, uh, I can buy you a Treasury bill that, that matures on September 1st, so what, so about two weeks? Uh, and you're going to earn uh, one one-hundredth of one percent interest. <laughs> Actually, and, and, and the longest Treasury bill available right now matures uh, next July, July 26th. Yeah. Here's, here's the way your listeners will appreciate it. Imagine if you had $10 million bucks laying around. Okay. You, you could buy one of these, and here's what it would cost you. It would cost you $9,999,900. And then next year... <laughs> So you'd make a hundred bucks. You'd make a hundred bucks. That's exactly. That's the exact deal. I quoted you verbatim, and and uh, you know, and you know what's funny is you know damn well the people that are buying those ain't grandma. Those no. are big institutions that don't know. Do you know how scared you must be? You're basically giving the money to the government, and all you're asking is you know please, please just give it back at the end. I don't no, interest. I don't care. No, screw that. Just give me the print. Uh, that's fine. You know, so back to our friends at Bank of New York Mellon. If 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 you deposit your big load of cash with them, what the hell are they going to do with it? I mean, actually, holding your money is a pain in their ass. Yeah, and then they have the, the, the FDIC insurance fees against it. So right, and plus the humans who administer it, and you know, there's costs there's costs associated. There's work that's done to keep track of your money. For the so, first time in history, banks don't want money. What are they going to do with it? There's nowhere to put it. If that doesn't shit send a chill up the spine of every single person out there, I want you to do something for me. I know a lot of people listen to this show. You're doing something else. If, you're, if your spine's not tingling right now, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to rewind about a minute and a half, and I want you to listen to what you just heard a second time because that should scare the hell out of you. Uh, I remember when I was a kid in school, right, and we were in the middle of a recession from the 70s. Do you know what they did? They had the kids in school save up pennies and crap like that, and they took us down to banks to open bank accounts. I don't know if you remember this. This was going on all over the country, little kids in the 70s being taken in a school bus to open little savings accounts to push money into the banks. Yeah. And then in the 80s with the copper shortage, they did it again. You know, I was a little older then, but they were taking the kids and having them count their pennies and put the pennies in the bank to get the freaking copper pennies into the bank because people were melting them down in the scrapyard. So in, in that recession, the banks were screaming, give us money. So now the banks are saying, and no, I had not heard this, Mike, basically, yeah. you want to give us money, we're going to charge you to hold your money. Right. Holy crap. We don't, we don't need it for nothing, and it's just like I said, it's a pain in our ass to even keep it here. We can't. We can't earn nothing on it. <laughs> I got a solution, though. Anybody out there, if uh, you have money and your bank doesn't want it, you can write a check to Jack Spirico and mail it to me, and I will take your money. I'll you give it back to you someday. I will give you back exactly what you gave me uh, with no interest added on, but I won't charge you to hold your money. Please make checks for five hundred thousand dollars or greater. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, that's the world we're. You know. That Everything most of us know, very few people alive or, or listening um, really have anything to compare this to. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't compare nicely to that 70s recession. It doesn't compare very nicely to the, the Great Depression. It does compare quite a bit to uh, Japan, uh, except that Japan is a little bit more, you know, we're sort of a raucous crew. I mean, Japan is a little bit more dignified place where they sort of all, you know, 
like the Japanese, you could sell that two percent idea to them. I don't even think they would they would even question. It. I think that like oh. if anybody like if they said to a room full of like a thousand Japanese. To get through this, we're all going to take a 2% cut. If anybody stuck his hand up and objected, like everybody would look at him like, what a dishonorable thing to even even question this, if this is all that it takes. Right. We're, we're, we're in our society, people will go out the streets and beat each other to death over 2%. Right. And, you know, we, we, we're, 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 like I said, volatile is probably a better word. The, the Japanese are more, we're all in this together type of crew, you know. And, and they're a more homogeneous society in general and... Uh, you know, and they're and they're more conservative, generally speaking, anyway, with regards to, um, you know, saving money, you know, as savers, just generally speaking, and whatnot. You know, I mean, so I, we 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 tend to or the new. We've been watching it for decades now. The blaming, everybody's got to blame. We've got to blame somebody for something. I already heard. I can't. I was going to like kick the TV in this morning, watching the Today Show show that damn stage in Indiana falling over i bet you they showed it 20 times people died there come on man and it's entertainment you know? for them you know let's yeah, it's yeah. sickening and 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 that's what who's to blame well, you know the people their, their bodies are still warm for god's sakes you know what's the matter with you people in this society yeah. now? and yeah. that's like this whole debt ceiling and the budget and social security who's the you know, there's generations of politicians that are to blame, but that's fine. Let's worry about what do we do? What are, what are you going to do? What about the reality TV uh, du jour uh, for the news uh, the past couple of weeks of the London riots? How much of that over there is attributable to them making similar uh, mistakes to what we're doing here? Uh, there's, I think there's multiple Thing. I mean, there's. I think there's. Uh, there, there, there was anger at the police. I think there's anger about the austerity because uh, if you didn't see it, Italy. Uh, what's 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 his name? Whose name escapes me now? Uh, Berlusconi, whatever the prime minister of Italy. You know, they had announced their own uh, uh, austerity program. You know, but in Greece and in Italy. And anyway, the the unions are going to strike over it in Italy. So I mean, the the British government has taken a lot of steps. To cut, to increase tuition, to cut back social programs. Uh, so I think that was, there was anger there. But I mean, there didn't seem to be any real big social reason. It all seemed to be like, uh, you know, just looting and, you know, had more to do with wanting a plasma TV than it had to do with, like, uh, you know, it, it, it seemed to me like there was some financial issues, there were some yeah. racial issues, there were, but that was like the, the beginning. But there's a certain segment of society, once the first rock flies, they sure. just dogpile into it. Sure. You know, it's just like in L.A. 20 years ago uh, and, and Newark years before that. And, I mean, you know, Amer how many American cities? What Canadians did they, did they burn the whole place down because their hockey team was? Uh, I was, uh, was, uh, was it Edmonton or Montreal or I, I don't whoever know. lost to Boston. Yeah, whoever lost to Boston, but I'm like, you burn your own city down? What that? Because because they lost. And here was what was crazy: Boston won, and they had their little mini riot. Every time, every I hate when Boston is in a championship because win or lose, somebody's going to go out and smash something. It wasn't yeah. as bad as the when they won the Sox won a series, but uh, they they had a pretty good little mini riot in Boston because they won. Well, at least Boston's been winning a few things in the last you know. Couple That's true. So they've gotten better at it, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, all this civil unrest. I, Back to what people should be doing. I mean, I, I don't really have a lot of advice. I mean, uh, I, I went off on a tangent about uh, the markets being cruel, 
But, you know, cash, we've clearly had that conversation. Cash ain't paying nothing. Um, but what that causes people to do are things that they don't really want to do. I think there's a lot of people in the stock market right now that don't even want to be in the stock market, but they don't feel they could take, you know, a quarter of a percent interest on a 90-day CD. You know, so they thought maybe I'll buy some stocks because they pay a dividend. You know, so they're not really, you know, you can still get really crushed. Uh, I'm hearing so much about another 15 or 20% decline in residential real estate values by people that have been denying it. I've been talking like that for a couple of years, but, you know, now more mainstream types are coming around to what I've been saying. Uh, and commercial real estate is, could be a nightmare. I think it's highly sensitive on that right now, anyway, for your geography. Like, I sold my place in Texas. I sold it in three days. You know, I got the full offer price. But I'm also in an area where there's been a lot of money circulating in the local economy from the Barnett Shell gas drilling. And I think that's helped the local economy. But that only lasts so long. And now everybody got their big bonus check and spent it. And now that gas is in the tank, like royalty checks are like 12 bucks, 13 bucks, you know, something like that for most people. So that was a short-term injection, you know. Right. And, and you know, and I mean, really, you know, I only know this. I was just down. I, did I? No, I didn't. I didn't know if I talked to you. I was down in Austin a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and God almighty, it's hot. I don't know how the hell you live down there. Good God almighty. I mean, like 105 degrees hot. But, uh uh, I, of course, I got Rick Perry inundated because, of course, the build-up to his, you know, eventual announcement, which, I, is it official? Did he announce that he's yeah. in? Or? I don't know if he did. I think it's... Yeah, he did. He's he's officially in, and just, even though he wasn't in the, the straw poll thing in Iowa, um, just the write-ins alone knocked Palenti out. Palenti uh, conceded the... Yeah, that I saw, yeah. Thing. And I'm going to tell you something here, This and this is honest to God, you can go back and listen a month before Barack Obama got elected, I came out and I said, the guy's going to be a complete catastrophe. Rick Perry's sitting down there waiting for it. He stayed out this time because he's waiting for next time because there's no way a Republican's going to get in this time. Wow. And that Rick Perry was your next president. I said that in, in September of 2008. I still think it's true today. I am not happy about it. I, I, I don't, I, you, like, you like the guy. I, I do like not him. like the guy at all. The guy is a Teflon-coated sleazebag, and that's why he's going to be your next president. He appeals to the Tea Party and to the mainstream GOP. That alone right there tells you something's wrong. Um, I, I don't want to go into all the stories about it. I can tell you offline, because I just covered this yesterday, but uh, okay. I think this guy's our next president. And uh, I, I, it's because who else are the Republicans going to put up there? Rodney's got a lot of baggage. All these guys are retreads. Um, I don't feel like Michelle Bachman. She's not going to be president. I'm, I'm sorry. Sarah Palin's not going to be president. It, it's not, not, not this time anyway. It's, she's, neither, not gonna, she's not even going to run. No. Nah. She's going to write books and make money. And yeah, make well, that, Maybe that's what we all need to do, Mike, is start writing some books and making some money. I guess. I don't know. I don't know either. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know who the I don't know what varsity athletes Republicans really have that are that appealing. I I'd love to see is for to come out of left field as some really genuine third party. Just to I think there's I think you I think America's ready to do it. I mean, a lot I of people so. done it. You know, Minnesota's done it. And yeah. Connecticut's done it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think it could happen, but it's going to have to be. Name brand. I don't even know who the hell that would be. 
Well, you know, libertarians, I, I always call myself a libertarian, but I always mean it with a little L. The big L is a card-carrying party member, and a little L means I'll think what I want, thank you. Um, uh, but they just, you know, the, 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 the real first glory day of the, the Libertarian Party was around 1978, and it's honestly, I hate to say this, it hurts my heart, but as far as uh, getting any kind of, of, of sway in the election, it's been downhill ever since. Um, you know, there's this new thing out, this Go Party, which is uh, supposed to be just regular guys like you and me agreeing to go serve a couple terms. Great idea, but it's not getting any real groundswell yet. Um, I, I don't know who can do this, but I'd sure like to see it. I, I like the Go thing. I don't know if you've seen that, but basically they send you a questionnaire, and it says, would you be willing to run for office, right? And if you say yes, then it says, if you did, here's all the issues. How would you vote on them? And you go down on record before, just straight up and down. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And then people, when they look at you as a candidate, go, no bullshit, no spin, yeah. no, you know, and, and I like that. And basically that, you know, if you, if you break one of these things, you're screwed in the next, you're done. You're just never going to, you'll never see another election ever. Well, that was funny to me. What was funny to me is people lamenting these, uh, these, you know, the Republicans in Congress, the guys who had signed the pledge, you know, just re and like how some people just were stupefied that uh, they you know they weren't going to go against that thing they signed. Like, well, yeah, McCain called them hobbits. Right, heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, heard that. You know, and here's the thing. You know, you can say what you want about them, but to me, this was the this is the only encouraging thing that I've seen in the past couple of years. Some of these Tea Party guys that got elected. Not that I agree with everything the Tea Party says, but the, the founding principles. You know, spend less and quit taxing us. I'm all for that. But but they came in with a pledge and they stuck to yeah. it. And they had people going over, you know, the the mainstream guys coming over to them going, look, we got a great committee assignment for you if you'll just come. And they said, I don't care. And they said, you know, we're not going to back your reelection if you. I don't care. Right. You don't care if you get reelected. No, I don't give a shit if I get reelected. Right. I was sent for here for two years to do a job, and I'm going to damn well do it the way I said. And I think those people will get reelected. I just don't know, you know. It, Four years in government's like forty years in the private sector. About the machine turning you down, you know. Well, I, I, you know, for, all, for whatever anybody thinks of Obama, by and large, he did pretty much what he said he was going to do. You I know, agree with that. I agree. I don't, with why, that. I don't know why people are all angry and stupefied about that. I agree. He didn't close Gitmo, but he sort of tried. And you know, I mean, here's the thing: people are like stupefied over his stance in Afghanistan, where he's done nothing to curtail that war. And I was telling people before they were voting for him, you know, before the election. If you want the war in Afghanistan ended, don't vote for Barack Obama. He thinks that war is a great idea. He's been saying that's the one we should have been fighting all along. So I, I completely agree with you on that. If you are upset with Barack Obama and you voted for him, you are not upset with Barack Obama. You're upset with yourself because you got what you voted for. Right. He's doing exactly pretty much what he said. You know, not exactly because life does take over sometimes. But, I mean, by and large, all his big initiatives, he's right on track. Yeah, and if he didn't do it, he tried to do it. That, that's the other thing. Oh, yeah, he tried. Yeah, yeah and, and I'll tell you what, folks, don't think I'm sticking up for the guy. I don't like anything he's doing. Uh -oh. But like Mike's saying, what, what, if you went back before the election and said, what is this guy going to do, and here's what he says he's going to do, including the tax increases. He said, I'm going to increase taxes for people making over, or couples making over a quarter million. Now, I actually think there's been some kind of backdoor taxes that would have broke that promise, but he still said, I'm going to raise your taxes and try to do it. So he wanted, do, he wanted to do it a week ago. That, yeah. was, that was the, the sticking point on his debt ceiling. It's the only thing he wanted. Revenue. Got to do something with revenue. And that's what, you know, um, you know, Boehner walked out on.
I love how they call it revenue. Right, well... You know? <laughs> it's a revenue initiative. That's the new word for tax hike, is revenue initiative. And they're not toxic assets anymore, by the way, too. They're, they're, they're legacy, legacy assets. Legacy assets. That's a true story. Wow. Legacy, legacy assets. Toxic is uh, negative. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> well, if you own a bunch of mortgages by people who have already left and aren't going to pay you yet, that's a pretty negative thing. So you don't know. I mean, I, I struggle with this because I get people all the time telling me, "Well, Jack, I got you know, I because I've I've paid off my debt and because I've you know been living within my means for the past couple of years, I'm sitting on forty grand. What do I do?" And in most instances, they say, "Unless you know what you want to do at your home to provide something for yourself at your home." like investing in alternative energy for yourself or something like that, yeah. keep the money. And, and people are, like, afraid to hold cash, and I'm like, that's the only thing I can tell you to do right now. So, if you want to buy a little bit of silver, and I'm talking, you know, 20, 30 ounces of it uh, for a long-term play or whatever, uh, or something like that, fine. I was actually pretty bullish on gold uh, three years ago, but I'm not anymore because of the price that it is now. You know, now I feel like either you could hold it if you want to risk the hold or it's time to sell, but if you did sell, what are you going to do? You're going to hold cash. I, I don't have any really better advice than that right now. No, I don't. You know, I, if I had forty grand, I, I, I would. I would need to. You know, I would encourage paying off some debt. But you got to have. You got to have some cash sitting there just for. Well, what if you're forty? You got the forty grand and you have no debt. It's just. It's, it's straight cash. You put it in a mayonnaise jar and bury it in your yard. <laughs> That might be really good advice right now, as crazy as it sounds. And this, you know why Michael tell you that, folks? Because again, he's not selling you how to get rich with twenty steps in the Dow Jones average or anything like that. That's that's why I bring you on, Mike, because you're honest with people. Well, I just wish I honestly had some like genius idea for him, because uh, this is a hard, this is hard times right now. And uh, well, it's it's it, it, there, there's there's certain times, you know, that or certain days you should be out sailing because it's beautiful and everything else. And there's other days you should just damn well be tied up to the dock. And right now is the time to be tied to the dock. You know, the weather ain't good, and it ain't good sailing. You know what, folks? I want you to think about Mike's analogy there, and I want you to. To compare it to, to, to kind of what I've told you, which seems different but really was the same. Right before this market took a bath, the big bath that, that happened back in, in 08, I said, get your money out, sit on it. When, it. when it went way, way to hell down, and it was not really right at the bottom, but I said, this thing's fixing the bottom and come back, it'll come back. If you, if you would have took that advice, maybe you would have bought back in down there, and somewhere along the way you would have dumped it. But the reality is... The, the, the damn thing went from where it was down into a pit and almost back to where it was. If you would have took Mike's advice and just tied your boat to shore through the whole last four years, you, you, you'd probably be better off than just about anything else you could do. It seems like a long time to sit on an asset, but, you know, I mean, the only thing I'm seeing, Mike, is I'm watching a lot of the, you know, I always try to pay attention to where billionaires are putting their money. And the two places I'm seeing money go right now are timberland and agricultural land. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of, as you know it too, people moving toward freshwater investing, which I don't even know what the hell that is. Yeah. You know, maybe it could be the Chinese, why they want 50 acres, 50 square miles, I'm sorry, 50 acres. I got 50 acres. square miles, dude. That's, yeah, a, that's, a big, that's a city. That's a big city. Oh, yeah, it's a good size city. Absolutely. Well, that's, you know, what's that, 5 by 10. Yeah. Yeah, five by ten miles. There's there's yeah. small counties that are probably in your neck of the woods that are that big. I mean, oh yeah. I remember living up your way when I lived in uh, East PA, and like you walked across the street and you were in a different town or a hamlet or borough or village or whatever the hell they call them. 
You know, so I mean, you could fit a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Pennsylvania hamlets inside of us. Uh, of a. Oh yeah, well, Connecticut, we've got fifty four hundred square miles, and uh, uh, we think we had a total of eight counties. There you go. So, give some idea. You're about five thousand versus uh, fifty, so it's it, it's not quite a county. I maybe I overstepped there, but no, no. But I mean, there's certainly it's, it's the whole town, man. It's, yeah. It's, although it ain't as big as Disney World, that was impressive. You think, you think about that, that, that day and age when a corporation could buy the piece of real estate they bought back in the day. Yeah, I've never really thought about that, but if you just look at the size of that place. Oh, man. All, and it's all the it's Disney World, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and God knows what else. All the hotels, downtown Disney. Yeah. I guess the other one that you can think of, and you, you think back in the day when people could actually own a huge piece of land, is the King Ranch in Texas. Oh, yeah, well. It's half a King County. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how much does Ted Turner own? He still owns a ton. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, sure of yeah. Uh, so I mean, so I mean, that's been my one, and this is the way I look at it, right? It's fine to say that uh, you know, uh, what's his name, Roger, Jim Rogers, is buying agricultural land, but they, my listeners don't have you know a half a billion dollars in their right. billfold to peel off and buy you know ten thousand acres uh, acres of Iowa farmland, so. My belief has been, well, emulate that on a smaller scale. Get yourself two to four acres paid for land. Turn it into your own homestead. Make it productive. Be as self-sufficient as you can, and that's a better use for forty or fifty grand right now. And that's it's way doable with forty or fifty grand right now. Oh, or yeah. you can buy you can buy freaking twenty acres with that easy in a lot of parts of the. Of oh, even, upstate, even upstate New York, I'm certain in all sorts of Pennsylvania. Never mind. Yeah, you, know, you get more and more rural. And then, you know, t- Timberland, there's actually quite a bit of Timberland for sale right now, small tracks, 20, 30 acres. And I was, I've been looking into it. One of the, the, the terms in Timberland ownership, if you are holding it to, to indeed harvest the timber, is called letting it sit on the stump, which basically means, you know, if I, if, if I'm, if I don't want to cut this year, right. and I don't need to cut this year because the timber prices are down, I can wait till they come up. And, and while I'm doing that, my yield is increasing at the same time. Right, exactly. So, so is that you know, mentality? I mean, if that's the mentality of the big money, does that tell us something individually? That that's like some kind of a commodity-based future in, in in the currency world? Do you see anything like that? Not necessarily gold back, but maybe a basket currency or something. No, nah, I doubt it. I mean, the euro's not going to make it. That's it's going to die. I'm completely with you on that, and that no. that throws a kink in the whole uh, Amero idea. If the if the euro fails, that regional currency thing. Uh, Takes a big one in the chin. Yeah, and so, and and moving off the dollar as the sort of reserve currency. I mean, to what? I mean, yeah. you know, as much of a basket case as we think we are, uh, you know, I always encourage some, you know, somebody to show me who's a lot better off. You know, yeah. are there small, you know, Switzerland? Oh, I mean, they. I think sixty percent of the Swiss franc's value is still is still covered with gold under the streets of Zurich. Correct. Uh, in Geneva. Uh, but That's really the only place like that in the world, though. But it is. Plus, you know, Zurich, you know, I mean, Switzerland's as big as what I forgot to Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And they kind of drew the line in the sand long ago and said, this is what we're going to be, who we're going to be, and we're not going to change. Sure. And, but they're also not running the world either, you know. I mean, it's, they don't have, it's the Swiss Army is not the army that's in Afghanistan or Iraq or, 
bombing Libya right now, and, and they don't want to be that. And, you know, maybe there's a lesson there, but it's a little bit late for us at this point. Actually, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. So you might probably totally disagree with me about this. And I'm not saying this is a good thing. I think that we are going to see, when this, when this collapse comes that we're both calling, a rebasing of the dollar, and we are going to go back to a gold standard of some sort. And I think everybody is going to get screwed in that move except the elite banking layer. I, 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 I've never been able to envision how you facilitate it. Could it happen? Yeah. yeah. But it, you know, it's, it's like, like you yeah, I don't think they'll go. I, I don't think they'll go. I, they might even eventually, if there's enough anger, they might even change the name. But the the infrastructure won't go anywhere. This is how I say you do it. Congress was given the power over the currency, and they of course signed that power over to the Fed, which means the Fed has any power that the Congress would have constitutionally because Congress gave it to them. Which right. whether people think the Fed's constitutional or not, I'm sorry to say it most certainly is. If I give you a power, then you intend have the power to, to, to give that power to somebody else. So they did that. Now, one, with the line in the Constitution, it says to set the weights and measures, right? So that means you can set any correlation you want. So what you do is you say, okay, we're going to go back to a gold standard, uh, gold backing on some level, but then you set the measure to, you know, basically $5,000 against an ounce of gold. Or ten thousand dollars an ounce of gold, and you screw everybody when you do that, except the people that make the money in the first place and create the money for, for them. Life goes on, and they just suck more value into their new money creation. Right. So that's what I see happening. And like I say, if you hold gold or hold silver, and that happens, you maybe maybe you mitigate a little bit, but you're not gonna. It's not gonna make you a big profit. And if you're holding cash. You're going to get screwed when that happens because we're going to, you know, unless the rest of the world does it exactly in consort with us, we'll lose the advantage, you know, our, our currency strength against some other nations. But that's what I see happening because, Mike, it's what they did in the 1800s. It's exactly what we went away and back to gold four times in the 1800s. And they did it the same way every time. It looked different, but in the end it was just simply a, a, a hidden inflation spike at each maneuver. And like I said, I, I'm not even against the idea. I just don't. I, 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 I would love. They, they can't. They can't seem to get the simplest things done. No, no. <laughs> you know, they, the, the, the budget thing. They're going to shut the government down, and, and the concession that was arrived at was thirty billion, which is a rounding error. The, 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 the government have a trillion over ten years. It's stupid. Yeah. So I mean, you know, you're talking like they could have cut more than that with one bomber. If they would have just said we're going to build one less bomber. They could have cut more than that. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. You know, because it's not just the cost of the bomber. It's everything that goes on from the beginning of that process to the end. Everybody that touches anything, they probably could have cut one bomber and one sub, and they would have come out way ahead. Well, like I said, we, we did a whole new batch of politicians before we start any sort of movement toward dramatic things like that. Well, why don't we put, we put Mike Gaser for Connecticut senator? No, 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 no chance. I get the same answer I do. People say I should run for office, and I'm like, yeah. I've got 725 reasons that they won't elect me. And they say, well, what are those? And it's like episode one, episode two, episode yeah. three. The sound bites that would come out if I ran for office today would be. I've been in politics. I've held elective office. I run for really? statewide office in Connecticut, actually. Wow. So, and uh, I didn't like it. No, I ran for the Texas State House as a libertarian. Uh, back in 2004, I think it was, 
I got like 13% of the vote in a very heavily weighted Republican district. But, I mean, the dirty politics pay, played as soon as I got over 1% uh, in polling was, was just flabbergasted me. I was, you know, false reports filed with the election commission about fundraising, which I wasn't, I didn't do any fundraising. Right. And the mess that it caused. And I was like, this is for a Texas state house position with a salary of $880 a month. Right. So what would they do to a person running for the U.S. Senate or the U.S. House? It, it, it's got to be one of the dirtiest things in the world. And that's a shame because the good people decide, this is like you and I say, no, I don't want anything to do with that. No. And that's why we get the bash the crew we got, you know. That's why, like Ron, that's what's impressive about Ron Paul's showing in Iowa because I, I don't think he's paying more than the twenty-eight dollars that was necessary to file for the, you know, he didn't, he didn't have Randy Travis singing, singing in his tent with a free barbecue and you know, holders and whatever else. Well, the thing about Ron's supporters is they're they're diehard supporters, and yeah. and I, I put myself in that camp, so it's not like an us and them thing. Uh, and they're informed supporters, and they're very very motivated, but they have a certain level of interest that the average person just doesn't have. Right. And and the media will continue to spin this guy to be some kind of nut job. Like they had a they had the whole big Ron pa- Ron Paul wants your kids to have heroin campaign, right. where where his real statement was. Prohibition's pointless anyway, but if we're going to have it, then the state of Texas should decide how it regulates heroin. The state of South Carolina, we, the federal government doesn't need to be in this business. There's no constitutional reason for it. So to, to think that that means all of a sudden you're just going to be able to waddle down the street to 7-Eleven and buy heroin, it's just nonsense. But, of course, what, I, don't, I call this, this is a collect. You always talk about the hangover, right? right. And my analogy to your, your side of the hangover is that means there's a party first. Right. And the party's going on, and I just did an article about this. Have you ever been the guy at the party that goes, holy crap, it's 3 a.m., and starts cleaning up the bottles and says, maybe we need to wind this down? Does everybody go, yeah, Mike, you know what, you're right. Let me help you clean it up, and let's wind this down. Or does everybody go, Mike, shut up and have a beer, right? right. And that's what everybody's doing right now. Ron Paul and his supporters are going, uh, it's 3 a.m., uh, we're going to all have headaches in the morning, let's get the ashtrays emptied out, let's pick the ball. And everybody else is saying, dude, don't harsh our butts. Right. And, and that's why I can't get any traction. Yeah, I, 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 wish, I wish I had. I, I apologize for not having genius ideas for anybody listening. I don't even know what to do. I, I, can't, even, I can't even figure out how to make a buck with this. You know, I know it's coming, I see it as clear as, as, clear as day, and I don't even know what to do about it. I'll tell you, the only thing I've been telling people to do is the things that you're doing, too, and that is to be prepared for it. Sure. And to hold some cash to make sure you can provide some of your own food, your own energy, uh, sure. to prepare for financial collapse. And, sure. and the reason I bring you on is you're the only, you're the only, and I almost use the F word because it angers me. You're the only freaking person that I know with as much information as you have that will be freaking honest with people and actually say that. Everybody else has to bullshit some kind of answer out the other side. So I appreciate your honesty, Mike, a great deal. Well, I, 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 I've always been that way, not with, only with friends, but with clients. I mean, you hire me, I'm going to tell you. You know, if you want some sugar-coated thing, well, you've got to hire somebody else because, uh, you know, because when it doesn't work out as a sugar-coated story, that you know, then you're going to be mad at me. <laughs> you know, so just if you, you don't, it's not fun to hear. Yeah, I, I think I told you there's that show in London, which is I think how you found me. I, you know, that that nickname I got on that show. You know, Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness. <laughs> so, 
What's the <laughs> Prince of Darkness think over there in the U.S.? So, but, uh, you know, I've, I've been right too much. You go back and read my newsletters over 12 years. I've called everything, the top of NASDAQ, the top of the housing market. Uh, uh, five years ago, I told everybody the best thing you'll ever be able to buy right now is, uh, you go look it up, uh, was a 10-year treasury. They were yielding 5%. Wow. And people were like, what? Stupid. What a dumb thing to say. <laughs> All right. Well, you already would have had five years of 5%, and you still have five more years of 5%. 5%. And right now you couldn't get 5% uh, as a loan shark in a back alley. No. In no, fact, no, people you charge you to put your money in. And that's, Mike, uh, we have about wrapped up an hour here. If folks want to get more information on Mike Gazer and the stuff, like your newsletter and all, where do they find that? Uh, just Google Mike Gazer, G-A-S-I-O-R, and you'll find my website. My newsletter is free. I'm about to write my August one. And you go to my uh, my website uh, and right on the front page. Subscribe to the Mike Gazer newsletter, and I'll try to make sure you're on the August list. Awesome, awesome. And, folks, uh, with that, we are going to wrap up today. I know that you didn't maybe hear all the things you wanted to hear today, but what you got was another stone-cold dose of reality, and hopefully that will help, uh, help you out. I mean, I always say that we all have this giant bullshit box in our house. It's known as a TV. We have another bullshit box in our, our car, and, and it tells you all these this interesting information. And the reason I bring guys like Mike on is just not just to tell you what's going on, but so that you can have a bullshit filter. So you can filter that stuff out and you can figure out what's really going on. Just like about the riots I told you guys yesterday. When they show you a riot on TV, it's a riot they want you to see. There's a riot somewhere everywhere in the world every single day. I just about guarantee you that. So please remember to filter a lot of this information because a lot of misinformation is coming. And with that, this has been Jack Spirigo today along with Mike Gazer, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Nobody up there cares, they're living for today.